the Sunday Sermons Podcast. Uh, We're going to jump right into this today. This is the third in a four-part series simply called Three. The number three is actually the most pervasive symbol in the Bible and also in nature, which to me is a really big clue that one person is behind it all. Uh, I hope it is to you as well. Some of these threes are literal. Three people, three days, three days and nights, three years, uh, etc. Some of them are figurative. They're symbols. And some of them, uh, most of them, I believe, are both. They they are real things, uh, but they also represent these ideas of God himself being a three-part kind of a God. And also there are three ways for us to interact with him. They point to his relentless love and the kind of relationships that God always sets up. There's always going to be God and you and someone else if God is behind it. And also this itself is one of his most fundamental strategies. You see three everywhere. I didn't bring an egg this morning, but that's one of the many things in in the world that if If you take the shell away or the white away or the yolk away, you don't have an egg anymore. That doesn't prove that there's a God. It doesn't prove he's a trinity. It doesn't totally explain all of my questions away. I don't know about yours, but it's one more clue. And that's just one example of how many there are. This morning, I actually have a guitar chord up here. I wanted to show you guys this. You've probably seen this before. If you're a musician... um, you probably think the instrument's more important than the chord, right? How many musicians out there? If you're a sound person, the sound system is more important than the chord. Is that right? But the the truth is, neither one of them work without the chord connecting them. And and, and here's the other thing. Over the years, I've learned that some of these chords are better than others. Some of them are cheap and just don't work well, and it doesn't matter what kind of sound system or instrument you've got. They're just terrible. Some of them are really good, and you pay big money for them. But all of them are equally worthless unless they are plugged into an instrument on one side and plugged into a sound system on the other. Are you with me? Because they exist to be connectors. That's the point. That's what they do. They connect that. And that's where we need to start this morning is God has connected us to be connectors. He has created us, designed us to be connectors. We're talking about these three circles. And today we're going to be zooming in on the one that represents you as an individual. You and some families and groups that you're part of. You as part of the church in many ways. And yet we've got to remember that we are connectors. That's who we are. And if we forget that, we miss the whole picture. Are you with me so far? All right, we're going to go through this. Again, we are designed in God's image. We thrive when we live in humility and with courage and with clear intention in all three of these circles. One of the most common and dangerous mistakes is we try to separate them. This is me and this is my life. These are my choices. These are other people. This is God. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll lob something over in one of the other circles or try to connect. But I, I, I think life works better when it's just me over here. We all lean that way because we have sinful natures, but it's wrong. It doesn't work. It's not just wrong in God's eyes. It just doesn't fulfill what we have inside of us that was made in God's image. 
The second big idea here is that we cannot just settle for an idea of church, that we try to connect with God and other Christians and we ignore or even oppose the rest of the world together. That's a broken system. It doesn't work. It's not how God designed it to be. Are we opposed to some things? Are we against some things that God says are wrong? Absolutely. But that does not define us. What defines us is what we are for. What defines us is that we are the connectors in the world. The only reason we're against some things is because they block the way for us to help those people connect fully with God and with us and with his vision for the world. So what needs to happen, and this is where we're really focusing on today, is there has to constantly be this movement, this constant movement in the directions God wants us to go. For example, we have to interact with God. There's got to be a movement constantly where we are pursuing Him. We are following Him. We are connecting more deeply with Him. Because growth only happens when we interact with Him. It's empowered when we talk about it, when we say we believe it. Growth actually happens when we connect with God. There has to be a constant daily movement. In that direction. Same thing with people. Uh, Growth only happens when we interact with people. Even people that don't like us. Even people that we don't agree with. Even people who we know are genuinely wrong about something by God's standards. Not even just our own. There's got to be a constant movement that's connecting those circles. Forcing us to interact somehow. Forcing us to grow because it only, growth only happens when we and others interact. And again, church, church as God designed it, only happens when all three interact. And so there has to be a movement as we talk today about you. As we talked about you as an individual, you as a couple, you as a group of friends, you as a small group, a growth group, you as a whatever kind of group you are in that's doing life together. You have to be moving toward God and toward others or church is not happening. And when church happens, that it grows. That white triangle in the middle that says the church, that grows. When that movement happens. So that's where we're heading today. And I hope that all makes sense. Fred Rogers, um, mostly known by most people simply as Mr. Rogers, was a very wise person. He once said, you rarely have time for everything you want in this life. So you need to make choices. And hopefully your choices can come from a deep sense of who you are. Again, as Christians, I hope what you take away today is to know that who you are is a connector. The choices, the priorities that you make need to always come from that identity that needs to come from there. And we're, as always, there's threes everywhere. There's going to be threes here today. The first one is this. We have to connect with God. There always has to be that, that movement toward God. It's got to be a daily thing. Let's, let's say those four words together. We connect with God. God's people are here to help others connect with God as well. And we cannot know God, we cannot interact with God without doing that as well. We can't forget that. But our relationship with Him has to be the nexus. It has to be the central thing. 
God loves circles. He loves threes. One of the other really common things you see in nature and in the scripture is uh, concentric circles, expanding circles. When Jesus told his early church to expand his kingdom, he said, start in Jerusalem and then move out to Judea and then Samaria and then eventually to the ends of the earth. If you drop anything in any little puddle of water, you're going to see those circles going out. Are you following me on that? God, in that way, has to always be the central circle, the thing that affects everything else, that makes everything else worth anything, that makes everything else important, that makes all the other choices that we're making possible. But again, let's not forget at any moment that if it's really God that's affecting us that way, he's always going to be moving us toward others as well. We see this in his own nature. First Peter 1, 2, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. Why do we need so much grace and peace? Because we, like God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, are called to constantly be connecting with other people and with him. And that takes a lot of grace. And that peace is the biblical sense of peace. It's more about real connections and real healing and real putting things back the way they should be more than just a feeling of peace. The Apostle John writes in 1 John chapter 4, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Listen, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. The more we connect with God, the more this makes sense. The more we get it. Because the more we actually connect with God, the more we grow to become more like him, the more we realize you can't love God and not love the people that he loves. You can't love Jesus and not love his church. No matter how broken you are, no matter how broken the church is or other people are that you might be trying to reach out to, you can't love God and love Jesus and be led by the Spirit and hate at the same time. Jesus, again, said that this was a daily thing. He said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Even back in the Old Testament, the psalmist understood that this pursuit of God, even though it always includes other people, this pursuit of God himself has to be a daily thing. I will praise you every day, he wrote. Yes, I will praise you forever. So we connect with God. But we also have to connect with believers. This is one of the ones that's, that's beautiful and also kind of confusing. I hope this really makes sense to you today using these symbols of the circles and the triangles. Uh, it's so important that we get this, and this is something we all misunderstand far too often. But we, if we get our relationships right, our godly relationships right, we get our marriages right, we get our friendships right, we get our church relationships right, those lines between you and your church family, your spouse, your friends, those are going to get blurry. A lot of times that you circle 
comes to define us. I've heard many people say, and I believe it's true, show me your closest five friends and I will show you your future. We, we are defined by the people we're closest to. But sometimes what happens is we, we, we kind of overshoot that a little bit and we think that is church. If, if I can connect with God and a really close group of friends that all think and look a lot like me, then I'm nailing it. I'm getting it right. That, that is really not it. We have to remember that we are connectors. That we are God's people. We work as a unit. A marriage works as a unit. A friendship works as a unit. But it works as a purpose. And even when we don't mean to, even when we don't want to, we as humans, we always create systems that do this because we are made in the image of God. Even in our brokenness. For example, sports. Anybody ever play sports? Like to watch sports? Okay, most of you, the rest of you, I think this will still make sense. If you see anybody play any kind of a competitive game like that, there's always going to be a coach and there's always going to be a team. And the relationships between that coach and that team as individuals and as a unit are so important to how the game is played. That the way the coach interacts with them and teaches them and mentors them and cares about them as people makes so much difference. Am I right? But, the, but, but there's no relationship there at all unless they're actually playing a game. Nobody joins a football team or any other kind of a, a sports team just to have a great relationship with a coach. It's all about playing the game. Right? And it's the exact same way with how we are with God. He creates these teams for us, these teams that we're supposed to be about, that we're supposed to be one with, but we're defined by the purpose. We're defined by where he's taking that team, where he is leading that team. And even within those, those relationships, as we function as coaches and as we, affect, as we are the people being coached, it's still all about what we're supposed to be getting done. The Apostle John, again, in the same chapter, chapter 4 of 1 John, says, If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. That's all believers. That's not just the people who 100% agree with you and your theology. That's not the people in this congregation only. That's all believers. And yes, it's separate from everybody else, but we'll talk more about that in just a second. It's not entirely separate. It can't be. But there is, there is a beautiful difference between the people who are part of your own immediate family and everybody else. There's a beautiful difference between God and his family, his children, your fellow believers, and everybody else. But again, not so that we don't interact with them. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. How do we get one mind? By submitting to God daily and having him transform our minds. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Then we will know God's will, his perfect 
will. First Thessalonians 5. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Again, he always leads by example, like any good coach. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. Who is that we? All the people who actually said yes to him. All the people who actually follow him. All the people who are part of this you circle that is us. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. I like that one. That's a good one. And live peacefully with each other. But again, seriously, uh, the reason that God gives us leaders, we know Ephesians 4.12, I quote that to you all the time. The whole reason he gives us leaders and leadership gifts at all is so that we leaders can empower you, God's people, to do God's work. It can't be any clearer than the way it's just laid out in the scripture. We're not here to impress you. We're not here to do it for you. We're not here to entertain you. We are here to motivate you. And if we're getting that done, then hallelujah. And if we're not, we're failing even if you're having a good time. Even if you like us and you show us respect and you think we're great. And I'm not saying everybody does. I'm saying even when that happens, that's our, we are defined by our ability to mobilize you guys to do what needs to be done. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. Why? Because we're supposed to be getting something done. There's got to be movement toward God and toward others constantly. See to it that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. They're never separate. They're always both going to happen. But there is a line that separates us a little bit. There's God's people and there's everybody else. That's why it's confusing. Again, I hope this makes sense. But we're that circle. But the church, the, the concept, the people, the purpose, everything that God has designed the church to be is that triangle in the middle of the circles. Not just the you circle. Even when we get the circle is this connecting? Amen. Praise God. One last part from this same passage. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Some versions say do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Why, why is he put this in the same context as the rest of these? Because the Holy Spirit is constantly going to be leading us in these two directions. He's going to constantly be moving us to get closer to God and closer to others and get closer to each other along the way. And when we don't do that, when we say no, we are literally putting out the fire he's trying to start. And that's not okay. That's not church. That's not the family of God. That's not the plan. 
One of the best ways that God has ever given us, one of the best you circles that he's given us is the family. This morning, I'd like to especially challenge those of you who are still raising children in your home, those of you who still have a good relationship with your adult children, those of you who are grandparents, those of you who just care about people who are younger than you. I'd like to mobilize everybody because we are designed to be a family, literally in families and also as a family of God. And it is the job of the older people. It's so clear and so much in Scripture. We'll talk more about this next week as well. But there's so much, it's so clear that we are all supposed to be mentoring the newer people. Whether they're just newer to the faith or they're younger, usually both. It's so important that that becomes something we're passionate about. And, and we see this so clearly in Scripture all the way through. All the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 4. God says, watch out, be careful, never to forget what you yourselves have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live. And be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. So who's he talking to right here? Parents and grandparents, both. In Deuteronomy 6, Verses 49 says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves. Again, there's that expanded you circle. You must love the Lord your God with all of you, and also yourselves must wholeheartedly, I'm sorry, commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Put them on your bumper stickers. Tattoo them on your arms. I, mean, I made those two up. But you get the idea, right? It's, it's, he's saying this, this has got to be pervasive. This has got to be constantly what you're doing. You are raising your children, mentoring your children, your grandchildren, people that you just care about. You're bringing them in these two directions with you. I want to let you know that this has always been part of the vision of Morrison Hill, but it's about to get even more. We're about to team up even more obviously. If you've got a bulletin today, or if you're at home, you have a digital bulletin, you'll notice that on the back of the sermon outline that you have is a couple of questions and scriptures from The Hill, which is our student ministry, and from GLOW, which is our children's ministry. What we're arming you to do this week, just as it, this is a taste of what's about to come, is we're going to start arming, arming you parents and grandparents and anybody else who cares so that you actually can introduce the things that we're going to teach your kids in advance. They're going to hear it first from you guys. And we're going to be counting on you to do that. They're, they're going to hear you read these passages together or encourage them to read it. And you also read it so you can ask them these questions. And then when they get to church and they hear the same thing, you're, they're going to go, we, we just talked about it in our family. And then we get to say, then your family is killing it. Your family is nailing it. You must have some really amazing parents. You, your grandparents are awesome. Thank God we're all on a team together. That's how we're all on the same page. 
I want you to know that's happening. Also, this coming Saturday, I know it's a big Saturday. I know there's, there's band and there's so many other things happening. There's a big convention downtown. But there's also going to be the first of several uh, training times. It's for all ages. We've got great stuff going on for kids. We've got great stuff going on for parents, grandparents, and anybody willing to play one of those roles somehow in someone else's life. We would love for you guys to come and join us this Saturday for about five hours and experience some of these things. Try some of these things. Learn some of these things. Hear the stories of some of the people who have tried some of these. What How it's worked, how it's not worked. Get fed in these directions. But again, we're not just talking about this stuff. We're trying our best to empower you to do it. It's so important that we get that. And finally, and next week, we're actually going to focus entirely on this third one. But it's, it, it, we cannot be Christians without at least mentioning it today. So I've mentioned it several times. We're going to start to wrap up with this third thing that we connect with. And that is with potential believers. Let, let, let's say that together. We connect with potential believers. <clears throat> Notice I don't say we connect with the enemies of God or anything like that. The more we think about other people as our adversaries, the more we get it wrong. It's not that we're supposed to be okay with sin. It's not that we're supposed to endorse it or not care. But we're supposed to see those people who are not yet believers as potential believers, not as people that we are against. Again, in Ephesians 6, Paul writes that our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms the people that just a hundred percent believe the devil's lies and hate us and think we're terrible and sick they need rescued not fought God's vision for his family and his kingdom always includes growth and we must be defined by what we are for much more than we are against I love Gabe Lyons, uh, his idea to turn, use a different term even. I'm not prepared to totally do it myself, but I love what he's trying to say. He said we shouldn't even use the term Christians anymore. We should call ourselves restorers. Because so many Christians have got it wrong so many times that when you say, hey, I'm a Christian, that doesn't always mean what you think it means as a Christian. Again, I'm not prepared to stop saying I'm a Christian because what it really means is I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And as long as it ever really means that, whether we get it right or wrong, I'm going to always be proud to say that I'm a Christian. But I love what he's saying here. I love this. He says we're restorers. And he says restorers envision the world as it was meant to be. And they work toward that vision they don't separate from the world or blend in. They thoughtfully engage. And that's what the Great Commission is all about. Peter writes, respect everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Respect the king. He continues, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. 
Here's just a handy truth that you can plug into any of those circles, okay? Any of those, any situation ever. Trust, we tend to think of trust as a bank account. We can make deposits and withdrawals, and, and it kind of grows and it goes like this. But trust is really more like a balloon. You can blow it up, you can blow it up, you can blow it up. If something pops it, you got to start all over again. Does that make sense? And, and the problem is that so many times we as Christians, we forget that we have popped the balloon a lot of times. Every time that we just focus on church as just really enjoying being in that one little you circle together and trying to connect with God, but, but we're actually like fighting against, defining ourselves by how much we're against everybody else. That balloon just gets popped. It gets obliterated and swept up and thrown away. We have to start completely over. But every time that we reach out to them, every time we, we start to get it, we realize that who we are in Christ, who we are as a group, who we are in families, who we are in growth groups, who we are as a church, is all about reaching out and connecting people to God. We keep that in mind in every situation, even when we do have to oppose something. That that's really what's driving the train. That balloon can start to grow and get bigger again. James 1.27 says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not bring sorrow to the God's Holy Spirit, much like don't quench the Spirit. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Don't make the Spirit grieve because you get this wrong. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. And that doesn't mean just that you made a decision at one point. It means that you have made a decision, and every day, like Jesus taught us, you keep making that decision to keep moving closer to God, closer to others. And you, you, you've chosen to do that as an individual and in groups, the concentric circle growing groups that are also moving in those directions. John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, so that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. And we're not just saved from hell or from certain sins. We're saved to into this grand vision, this grand relationship, this everything that we've been talking about. We're saved out of whatever circles we've been stuck in and the isolation we've imposed on ourselves and into that triangle in the middle that keeps getting bigger as all the circles grow closer together. This morning I'm offering you one more chance to get a little bit closer to God maybe to this body, maybe just to each other, maybe to your growth groups, maybe to your own family. And I'm asking you, we're going to sing. I'm asking you to do that as individuals, but also as a group. What do you need to do to connect with God today? What do you need to do to move in that direction? 
Give your life to him for the first time. Come back, rededicate, just say a prayer, re-surrender. I don't know, but would you make that? And if it needs to be public, would you come forward and make it public today? Maybe you need to connect with other believers. I, I don't know if you just want to pray about it. If, you, if you're worried about your family, you could come forward. Someone will pray with you. You can go to the back. Somebody can, You can pray alone. I, but would you move that direction this morning? Maybe you need to connect with potential believers. I hope, and I hope you come back next week and tune in next week. Do whatever you need to do because that's where we're really going to focus next time. But maybe God is just igniting that fire again that to be a Christian is all about connecting God with other people. Maybe you just need to stoke that fire and ask the Holy Spirit to stoke that a little more this morning. Whatever you need to do, move in that direction as the Spirit leads. Stand and let's sing together.